welcome back tonight. Amen. Be preaching uh, uh, from the Word of God, uh, preaching a message the Lord laid on my heart a couple of weeks ago in the power of the Spirit. And I know that that is a, uh, a theme of this church together in the power of the Spirit. The Lord gave me that message a few weeks ago. So come back tonight. Amen. And uh, be here for that. Amen. Exodus 14. Thank you, Brother Andy, for uh, yielding the pulpit, inviting us to, uh, to preach and minister. Uh, never take that for granted. Amen. It's always an honor and a privilege. You can leave your Bibles open here in Exodus 14 with me through uh, the duration of the service this morning. Um, uh, we'll read a few verses now, and then we'll uh, just reference this uh, whole chapter uh, throughout the message this morning. Exodus 14 and 1 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pahaharath, between Migdal and the sea, over against Baal-Zephon, before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Amen. Skipping down to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear you not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Amen and amen. What a powerful passage of scripture. What uh, encouragement we glean from these words. Amen. Don't really have a title this morning. Just preach to you what the Lord has dealt with me about and laid on my heart. Amen. You don't have to have a fancy title for the Lord to work. Amen. I know some people, uh, they've got titles that you'd, you'd pay a million dollars for, but the message ain't worth much. <laughs> amen. I'd rather not have a message and have the power of God. Amen and amen. What we find here, setting the, the, the theme for Exodus 14, is to understand what has gone on before this. We understand that Israel had gone into Egypt by the hand of God. He led them there to provide for them there. They went there and it was there that God took them from a family, a father and his 12 sons, and they, they grew into a nation there in Egypt. 
But when they were in Egypt, they, uh, 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 there came a time where they became slaves to the Egyptians and uh, they went into a type of captivity, a bondage, if you will, to Egypt. And God saw the affliction of his people and he remembered his promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And so he raised up a deliverer among them to, to, to lead them out of Egypt. And we know that deliverer was Moses. He was a great man of God, a very uh, type of Christ that was to come. And we know that Moses, probably the greatest prophet, the greatest uh, man of miracles of the Old Testament, he was. And Moses, uh, being that great man that he was, God had molded him and shaped him there on the backside of a desert watching his father-in-law's sheep and uh, revealing to him great truths that would uh, guide him and lead him and, and serve him well as he led Israel. He went back to uh, uh, Egypt and he spoke to the leaders, the elders of the people, the nation of Israel that were there. And the Bible says that when he had spoken to them and he had shown them signs and wonders uh, as God had revealed to him, uh, then they believed him uh, and, and they began to prepare themselves for the departure from Egypt. Uh, they believed that God had raised up Moses as their deliverer. They fully believed it. They had no doubts about it. That's what Exodus 4 and 31 says, that, that they believed on him. They believed the words that he spoke. They believed that uh, he was God's man for them and that he had been raised up uh, to lead them out of their captivity and bondage. Uh, and God did that by his mighty hand and through many plagues and signs and wonders. He did deliver Israel out of the Egyptian bondage and he led them out of that captivity. But he didn't just lead them out but they didn't leave as slaves and beggars, but they left Egypt wealthy. They left Egypt arrayed in all the costly apparel and with all the wealth of Egypt, for they spoiled Egypt of its riches. And now they've left, and God has given them a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. And they've began to journey away from Egypt uh, back to the promised land that God had given them. And that's where we pick up our text here this morning. God graciously has given them that direction, that guidance, that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud. But now he goes a step further and gives them spoken instruction um, along with um, the, the, the visible instruction. And he uses Moses to do that. We read this morning in verse 2 that uh, God told Moses, he said, You speak to the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pahaharoth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal. Elzephon, before it shall you encamp by the sea. Now, that's what Moses told Israel we're going to do. This cloud is moving. Instead of going straight towards the promised land, instead of going through the land of the Philistines and having great war and, and strife, God is going to have us turn to the side. And we're going to encamp between these two places, between Migdal and the sea and that's where we'll make our camp at and, and, and I'm sure that it must have taken a, a, a very very persuasive argument um, to get them to do that they were set on going to the promised land and it, it, honestly it would have been much easier for them to continue straight they would have had a little fight against the Philistines but God would have fought for them uh, and I'm sure they would have overcome because the word of the Lord was that they should inhabit the land of their forefathers and so it would have been easier 
easier for them to continue straight. It made sense to keep going straight. But God says turn and stop right here. Let's just make a pit stop here by the Red Sea. And we know the rest of the story. We know what happened because we read the text. We know that God spoke to Moses why they were going to turn aside. But he did not tell Israel why they had to turn to the side. He told Moses, but he did not tell Israel. He told Moses, you speak to them and tell them to stop here at Pahaharath and they will camp there between Migdal and the sea. And I'm telling you why, Moses. It's because I will use Pharaoh to come against them. And through that, the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, they're going to come against the the Israelites, my chosen people. I'm going to reveal my mighty hand and my power. and, And all the people, the Egyptians, everyone around will know that I am God. You know, oftentimes it is that God tells us what to do, but he does not tell us why. Israel knew what to do, but it was their deliverer and intercessor who knew why. They did not understand the why, they just knew the what. And he told them to go and encamp there. Why was that so difficult for them to do? Not only because it was not the straight way, the easy way, but because to go to Pahaharath, they had to go by Migdal. Migdal was a naturally fortified place. It was a a raised area. It was a mountainous, hilly terrain. It was naturally defensible. It was uh, the name Migdal itself means watchtower. If we're going to camp anywhere, let's camp in a naturally defensible location. Let's camp somewhere that if anyone does come to attack us, uh, we are easily able to defend ourselves. But God said go beyond what is easy to defend. Go beyond your safety. Go beyond your security. And go down into the marshy place. You see, Pahaharath means the place where the sedges grow at the mouth of the gorge. You understand, they're having to go downhill to the marshy coastal plains. The place where that that, that sedge, that grass-like plant, uh, it grows in wet, moist, uh, swampy, marshy soil. And they're going to encamp there. It doesn't make sense uh, to leave the naturally defensible location, uh, to go down into a low place, uh, a a marshy place, uh, where it's hard to fight, where it's hard to defend yourself. But that's what God told them to do. Just imagine being an Israelite. Imagine seeing the cloud turn and you're wondering, why is it turning? Imagine hearing Moses say, we're going to go uh, over here. And you're thinking, well, Migdal's that way. Man, that, that's a pretty good place to encamp. That's wisdom right there. That's safety. That's security. And then Moses says, well, we're going to go past Migdal. Well, what's past there? The Red Sea? No, we're not going all the way to the sea. We're going to stop in the swamps and the marshes. We're going to stop in the low coastal plain. I'm sure there was some murmuring and complaining. I'm sure there were some people wondering if Moses had lost his mind. They were still wondering if he was the man that God had raised up to deliver them and lead them out of that bondage. God's plan often takes us in the opposite direction than we would desire or that we would naturally gravitate towards. You look throughout Scripture and you'll find the will of God hardly ever matches up with the will of man. What your flesh wants and what God wants are polar opposites. I mean, think about Gideon. 
facing a fighting force of 300,000. And he's able to muster up 30,000. That's, that's fairly uh, steep odds, 1 in 10. But, you know, maybe we can do something against that. But then God says, no, 30,000 is too much. Get down to 300. And then you'll fight against the 300,000 of the Midianites. Doesn't make sense, but that's God's ways. Think about Abraham being 75 years old, living his whole life in one place, but then God says, Now, Abraham, you're going to get up and you're going to leave and you're going to sell everything and you're going to go to a place that I'll show you. He's going, departing to unknown parts. It's hard to follow God. It's hard to be obedient, but it is worth it to be obedient. Think about Joshua and the children of Israel who are facing Jericho and a common knowledge will say, set a siege and let's wait them out, let's starve them out. But no, God says, just march around the city and I'll give you the victory. Think about the ways of God, and they are not our ways. They are so much higher, and they are past finding out. We know the rest of the story that Pharaoh pursues, that Pharaoh comes against them. God delivers them, and he gives them his glory. And and it's amazing the way that God revealed himself to Israel and to all around them. We find that even several generations later, that when the children of Israel do go into the promised land, the inhabitants of Jericho are still afraid because of what God did to Pharaoh at the Red Sea. They're saying our knees are shaking, our, our, our hearts are melted within us because we have heard of the God of Israel, how He delivered you at the Red Sea from the hands of Pharaoh. Think about how God is about to move, but they cannot see that in their moment. It's through God working that they finally, 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 in Exodus 14 and 31, they finally confess a holy reverential fear of God and that they actually believe God, not just that God had raised them up a deliverer, but now they're worshiping God Himself and not just Moses. God's about to do something in a mighty way. Now why is this story, this is a great story, it's a children's church story, it's one that you've heard your whole life. Why is it that we need to know this and we need to read this and study this and know the word of God? I believe there's a powerful practical application in this passage that we need to grab a hold of. One that uh, God has used to help me and strengthen me in my times of tribulation. First of all, we know that God desires our salvation and deliverance. If you today are in the bondage of Egypt, now you're not over living in the Middle East, I understand that, but if you are in Egypt's bondage, we sing about that out of that old red back book. I once was in Egypt's bondage, but deliverance came to me, and I'm bound by sin no longer, for the Son has set me free. That is God's will for every one of you. Whether you realize it or not, you are in bondage to Pharaoh uh, because Pharaoh is not some Egyptian king, uh, but he is the God of this world, Satan himself, old Slewfoot, uh, the devil. Uh, he is the God of this world, uh, and he is powerful, and he is mighty, and he has enslaved every single one of us uh, at one time or another because sin is exceedingly sinful. 
Now, I know that sounds foolish, but that's what Paul said, so it's good enough for me. Sin is exceedingly sinful. And unless you know the depth of depravity, that's why the psalmist said, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Because though I was wonderfully made in the image of God, there remains in me the capacity to do great and wicked evil. And within every one of us, there is that ability. Whether you have uh, committed great evil or not, if you've just offended in one point of the law you've offended in all and you've become the slave to sin the wages of sin is death it is bondage it is dominion and it has power over everyone who is still remaining in their unrepentant sin and the power of God desires to deliver you from the bondage of sin No longer am I in my filthy slave beggar garment of self-righteousness. The Bible says in our own ability, in our own power, we're clothed in nothing but filthy rags. I I was a slave to sin. I I was a slave to my emotions and my desires. But thanks be to God, He traded me my filthy garment and He clothed me in the very righteous garment of Christ without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. What you need to first understand is that if you are still in bondage to sin today, the Lord wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. He wants to bring you out. He's a better deliverer than Moses ever was. He came doing signs and wonders and he spoke the word of life and men believed and they were changed and transformed by the power of God in Christ Jesus. The reality is, this morning, if you are lost and undone without God, you don't have to leave that way. If you came here a slave to your sin, you do not have to leave that way. If you came here in Egyptian bondage, you can leave with the freedom and the liberty of Jesus Christ because He is here and whom the Son has made free. They are free indeed. And you can leave here rejoicing and shouting the victory knowing that you have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. It's as simple as confessing your sins and believing that God hath raised him from the dead and he ever liveth to make intercession for you and me. It's that simple. We make it too complicated. It's the simplicity of the gospel. Paul said that Satan wants to corrupt. You ain't got to jump through hoops. You ain't got to do something fancy. God didn't make it complicated. It's a free gift given to all. And all you've got to do is confess, repent of your sin. And He will save your soul. He will save you from that bondage. But that's not where the story ends. Because Brother Andy, I'm here and you're here. He didn't take us on to glory when we knelt and we prayed and we confessed and we repented. No, He left us here and He left us here to walk the way of obedience from salvation unto everlasting life. Folks, I have not yet attained. I have not yet stepped over Jordan into that bride. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's no other way about it, folks. That's not legalism. No, 
That's not salvation by works. No, we're saved by faith through grace alone and that not of works lest any man should boast. But because I am saved and because I do have faith in Him, I have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works and verily ordained that I should walk therein. I have been created to walk in obedience to the way of Jesus Christ. He is that pillar of fire by night. And that cloud by day that ever leads and guides. He is the way. Thomas said, Lord, I want to know the way that you go because I want to go. He said, Thomas, I am that way. I am the door. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you're going to go the way to the promised land, it will only be the way of obedience in Christ Jesus. You can give all you want in in the offering. And that's great because it's commanded. And Brother Andy, you can stop me if I'm wrong, but God ain't concerned about your money. He wants your obedience in your daily living. You can come to church every Sunday morning and that's great. But the Lord is not concerned that you're here every Sunday morning. He is concerned about your heart being right in obedience day by day. Every single day walking in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand what that obedience is going to cost you. Because the way of obedience is the way of tribulation. We've lied from the pulpit for too long to convince you that if you get saved, everything is just sunshine and roses and tiptoeing through the tulips and it's all happiness and joy and good. And I thank God I do have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And I do have peace that keeps me and, and, and keeps my heart from, uh, from worrying itself sick and my mind from going crazy. I thank God for the peace and the joy and the love that I feel. But I want you to know, folks, this, this way of Christ, this way of obedience is not an easy way. Because what obedience does is it leads you into tribulation. Obedience leads you into tribulation. Think of the 23rd Psalm. What was it that the psalmist said? Oh, he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ooh, we're shouting, we're running, we're having a good time. But then, though I walk through the very valley of the shadow of death. We don't preach about that. That He leads you in valleys of despair. He leads you through dark places and low places. And He causes you to go and to uh, walk in a hard way. The way He said is straight. The gate is straight and the way is narrow. That means that it is fraught with peril. It is a difficult way. And Jesus said from the beginning, He didn't sugarcoat it to anyone. He didn't didn't pull the the wool over their eyes and and sell them a bill of goods. He told them from the beginning what it was going to cost them. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it cannot, it cannot bring forth life. He said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Thanks be to God, I lost my life in Him. My life is hid in Christ Jesus. I have died to myself. I have died to my desires and my will that I may be raised in Christ uncorruptible and everlasting seed unto God. The way of God, the way of obedience is a way of difficulty. Everyone who ever walked with God walked a hard way. 
from the biblical characters to the uh, patriarchs of our faith, most of them martyred for their faith, persecuted for their faith, in necessities for their faith, in distresses for their faith. Jesus said, count the cost. Know what it's going to cost you. What it's going to cost you is tribulation. For a man born of woman, his days are short and full of trouble. Amen. Jesus said, they hated me, and no man is greater than his master. They hated me, they're going to hate you too. But be of good cheer. (laughs) I have overcome the world. (laughs) Be of good cheer. Oh, there's a reward waiting for you. Be of good cheer. There is a heaven to gain. Be of good cheer. There is golden streets to waltz on. Be of good cheer. There is gates of pearl to dance through. Be of good cheer. There's a river of life to swim in. Be of good cheer. There's great things ahead of you. You didn't leave Egypt as a beggar. You left as a prince. You left as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And though the way of obedience will often cause you to leave safety and leave security and leave the way that is easy, the path that seems most logical to go a hard way and a difficult way, what you will find is that in tribulation, the glory of God is there. In tribulation, the hand of God God is there in tribulation. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. They went the hard way. They left the safety of Migdal. And they encamped in a low, marshy, swampy place. The mouth of the gorge next to the sea. They're between a rock and a hard place, literally. A hill and mountains on one side and a sea on the other. And Pharaoh's standing on the hill looking down at him with all his chariots and his armies. And God has already told Moses what's going to happen. I want you to know God is sovereign and he is in control. And what happens to you may catch you by surprise. But it has not caught him off guard the least little bit. It may have knocked the wind out of your sails. But he already had the answer before you ever had the need, before you ever went into tribulation, before you ever went into hardship, know that God already met you and had your answer. God knew what you needed even before you asked. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered in the heart of man what he has prepared. Prepared. It's already there. It's already ready. He already has everything you need. He is the all in all. He is everything that I need. Because He is the I am that I am. And He knows it before you go into it. And He's already prepared the way of your victory. Our temptation is to have faith in God. Even when it doesn't look like It's going to work out. Even when it doesn't make sense why and when and how and where. And we get in our poor, pitiful, sad little state and say, why me, Lord? Why now? Why this way? Lord, I didn't expect this. I didn't plan for this. I didn't didn't think it was going to go this way. But all along, God is saying, if you'll just be obedient, the tribulation will come. But so will my glory. The hardship will come. 
but so will my grace. The difficulty will be there, but my mercy will guide you through. The valley of despair may be low, but my arm is not waxed short. I cannot reach down to save you where you are. Folks, the way of obedience is not an easy way. Paul told Timothy, you must endure hardness as a good soldier that you may please him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Folks, it's a hard way. It's a way of tribulation. But don't be afraid. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary, says that the children of Israel did not know that they had enemies. Until they left Egypt. There's no record that the Jews ever had to fight a single battle when they were in Egypt. But once they were delivered from bondage, they discovered they had enemies. And those enemies were numerous. Amen. Bishop Rick Whittier said that when you're serving the enemy, there's no resistance, but liberty brings attacks from the enemy. Listen, we're so quick to to condemn the Israelites for their fear and cowardice in the face of Pharaoh's attacks. Yet we are equally knocked off guard and overcome with fear when we are inevitably attacked by Satan and his demonic forces. Listen, folks, uh, it makes sense uh, for us to look at them uh, and say, my, we're better than that uh, because we know the whole story. But we are those Israelites. We are on that journey. We have been delivered. We are spiritual Israel. And when the enemy comes, don't be overcome with fear by what you see. But get your eyes off of what you see and get them back on the unseen God. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Folks, what you see will cause you to sink in fear. It will cause you to stay in that marshy, swampy place. But if what you can't see, you can grab a hold of and have faith in. It will anchor you. It will bring you through every one of life's tribulations. The way of obedience is the way of faith. And faith to trust God even when my sight says that I shouldn't. Even when I say, my sight says that I shouldn't. You see, tribulation serves a multifold purpose and I won't get into all of them this morning but I will say a few your tribulation is partially for your sanctification your tribulation is partially for your sanctification because it shows you just how weak your faith really is it shows you how quickly overcome with fear we really are It shows us how quick to worry, how quick we are to take control and try to work it out on our own instead of holding to the unchanging hand of God and trusting Him. My tribulation works patience. And patience, when it is done with me, leaves me perfect, entire, lacking nothing. That word perfect is another word for sanctified, mature in Christ Jesus. Your tribulation is bringing you to a point of sanctification, of maturity in Christ Jesus, where you can say, though He slay me, 
yet will I serve him. You can say, I don't see him anywhere at work, but I know that my Redeemer liveth. You can say with Isaiah, though he leads me through the flood waters, he'll be with me in the midst of them. And though I go through the fires, the smell of smoke won't even be with me when I come out the other side. What tribulation does for me is it deepens my faith. It anchors my faith. It matures me in the Lord Jesus Christ because it reveals to me how much more I really need Him. Tribulation that works sanctification. Sometimes you've got to go through hard things to reveal to you just how strong or weak your faith really is. Sometimes you've got to go through things to realize just how overcome with fear we really are. We've got to go through some things to realize our weaknesses and our failures and our shortcomings. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Rejoice. Rejoice because He is with you in your tribulation. And He has never left you and He has never forsaken you. And through your tribulation, you will come out the other side as pure gold. Tried in the fire. Made better. More pure. More perfect in the eyes of God. Tribulation is not just for your sanctification, but it's also for you and everyone around you to truly see the hand of God in the midst of your tribulation. It may be that your tribulation is not for you, but for your spouse who's seeing you go through it. It may be that through your unwavering faith in God in the midst of your tribulation that they may come to deeper faith themselves. It may be for your children, your siblings, your neighbors, your co-workers because they're not sure they believe in God but when they see what you go through and the way you go through it with joy and peace and confidence and the full assurance of faith that you believe God will bring you through. They say, I know there must be a God in heaven. It may be that your tribulation is there not to kill you, but to show others that there's a life within you that can't be extinguished like Paul being bit by that viper. They've seen other people be bit by that viper and puff up and die. But when Paul shakes it off and he never puffs up, he never swells up, he never dies. But he keeps on preaching the gospel and going for the Lord and praying the prayer of faith. It's then that they believe. May be that your tribulation is not for you, but for them around you. God told Moses, He said, Listen, Pharaoh's going to come against them, but I will be honored upon Pharaoh that all of Egypt may know that I am God. They're afraid. Because they see Pharaoh, but they don't even understand. God is just showing a display of power. That no one will ever be able to doubt. It was God that did this. 
Moses tells him, he says, listen, be still. Quit trying to work it out. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to, 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 to fight on your own. Be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still. Be still, for this battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Let Him fight. Let Him work it out. Everyone's going to see who God really is. Why my tribulation? For God's glory, ultimately. Because that's the whole reason for creation. Is that the earth may be full of the glory of the Lord. That His name be hallowed on this earth. And through your tribulation, God will get glory. God will be praised. God will be magnified. God will be feared and believed. It never says in Exodus, I looked, it never says that they believed God before this. As strange as that is, they were His chosen people in all the plagues and miracles and signs and wonders. The only thing they ever believed was Moses. But now they believe God. It may have been that your faith was a faith in a pastor, an elder, a Sunday school teacher, a praying grandmother, But through your tribulation, you finally fear and believe God in total commitment and consecration to Him. As someone comes to this piano this morning, Brother Brian or whoever, I want to leave you with the words of Mr. Spurgeon. I read this this week and it gripped my heart. And he said, Christian, you ought not to dread the arrival of evil tidings. Because if you are distressed by them, what do you more than other men? Other men do not have your God to fly to. They have never proved His faithfulness as you have. It's no wonder that they are bowed down with alarm and cowed with fear. But you, O Christian, you profess to be of another spirit. You have been born again unto a lively hope. And your heart lives in heaven and not on this earth with earthly things. Now if you were seen to be distracted as other men, what is the value of that grace which you profess to have received? Where is the dignity of that new nature which you claim to possess? You know what Spurgeon's really saying? Fear not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord which He will show you today. The Lord is fighting for you. And you're going to hold on to your peace. 
The same peace you had before this storm ever come up in your life, you'll have it on the other side. The same peace you had the night that He rolled your burdens of your sin away is the same peace you'll have on the other side of this battle, this tribulation that has seized upon you. Be of good cheer. In the words of believe it's King David, he said quit yourselves like men stand up square your shoulders look Pharaoh in the eyes I ain't scared of you sometimes we just need to take authority we need to stand in the power of God and say devil I ain't scared of you you can roar and you can rage and you can fight. You can amass great enemies against me. But if God be for me, who can be against me? For greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. God is greater than my need. God is greater than my tribulation. God is greater than my storm. I'm not like these other folks who were overcome with fear. I've been born again. I have hope, not in this life only. Because if my hope was in this life only, I would be of all men most miserable. But my hope is in heaven. My hope is in glory. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Whoever lives the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same healer He's always been. He's the same way maker He's always been. I may be in the midst of tribulation. My obedience may have led me into tribulation. But I don't have to be afraid. The same God that led me into the battle is the same God that will lead me through to the other side. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't be overcome this morning. But profess your faith in the one true living God who is in all and above all and over all. Brother Andy, I just feel this morning this is different. It's, I know something y'all do often here, but I just feel this morning led just to ask you if you were in the midst of tribulation would you be willing to stand and confess the Lord Jesus Christ confess the Christ that saved you and the Christ that will bring you through I'll be the first one because we've been in this battle of our lives storm that shook the ground under our feet but I confess the Lord Jesus Christ I confess He is my victory I confess that He is my hope I confess that He is unchanging though the things around me change He never does would you be willing this morning to stand with me and confess Jesus Christ would you be willing this morning to say, I know in whom I have believed and I am not ashamed. I know He will keep
I'm in tribulation, but I confess Jesus Christ. I'm in tribulation, but I confess Jesus is bigger. I'm in the midst of a storm, but I confess my Jesus is higher than my storm. I confess He's a healer. I confess He's a way maker. I confess there's power in that name. He's here to help this morning. He's here to give peace to someone this morning. He's here to let you know He's still in control. He knew this storm was on the horizon and it didn't catch Him by surprise. You just keep obeying. You just trust and obey. You just be faithful and hold to that hand. He's going to bring you through this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo!